0: Talk Radio.
1: You're listening to Chat Autism, powered by Generation Rescue. Today we have a very exciting guest. He is a board-certified neurologist, fellow of the American College of Nutrition. He's the New York Times best-selling author of Grain Brain, the surprising truth about wheat, carbs, and sugar, your brain's silent killers, and the newly released book, Brain Maker, the power of gut microbes to heal and protect your brain for life. He's been interviewed on several national radio and television shows, including 2020, Larry King Live, CNN, Fox News, The Today Show, Oprah, The Dr. Oz Show, and many, many more. He's here to talk to us about the negative impact of grains and their connection to autism, help us figure out what we should be eating, and how a healthy gut leads to a healthy brain Here to answer all of your questions. Today, we're going to chat autism with Dr. David Perlmutter. Hi, Dr. Perlmutter.
0: Well, good, uh, I guess, morning for you, afternoon for me.
1: (laughs) Yes. How is it on the East Coast? How's the weather?
0: Well, we are very, very rainy. We've had uh, some uh, bits of flooding, which is all part of uh, Mother Nature. But, you know, I think for those of us who've lived in one place for a long time, three decades in my case, we're beginning to see changes, things happening that weren't so common in the past, but I guess that'll be for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. So let's get into it. Um, in your books, Grain Brain and Brain Maker, you write heavily on the importance of eliminating gluten's and sticking to healthy fats and quality proteins. Um, I think there's a common misconception that uh, grains are part of a healthy diet. So why why should we be eliminating them?
0: I think, uh, I'm glad you called it a misconception that grains are part of a healthy diet. Humans have never, ever eaten grains until just recently. You know, for more than 96% of our time on this planet, there weren't grains. There were no wheat fields and apple orchards and cartons of orange juice hanging from the trees. So it's a very recent introduction into our human physiology. And the truth of the matter is that our DNA responds and is is harmonious with our food that we choose to eat. When we suddenly challenge our gut and our DNA with foreign types of protein, which gluten found in wheat, barley, and rye certainly is, it does set the stage conceptually for there to be issues. We understand, at least in terms of looking at the science, that in fact those conceptual issues are very real, that what we see in uh, people who consume gluten is that there is some degree of breakdown of the lining of the gut. And according to some research from Harvard, this may be occurring in all humans, not just those who happen to have either gluten sensitivity or celiac disease, for example. Now, this is very relevant as it relates to our topic today because we see a clear evidence of significant disruption uh, of the gut integrity, of the lining of the gut, a leaky gut, if you will, uh, as part of the autistic spectrum disorder. We you know frequently uh, see significant evidence of leakiness of the gut. So there is this correlation then, connecting the dots between the foods that we eat, leakiness of the gut, and then seeing evidence of that leakiness uh, likely playing a role mechanistically in things like autism, uh, other issues as well, major depression, um, even ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, we see these same markers elevated. So, you know, here I am, a neurologist, I've been doing this for three decades, and now it looks as if, uh, in a very exciting way, the door has been opened for a whole new playing field that what may be extremely relevant for not just autism and, and, and issues on the, on the spectrum, but a variety of other neurologic problems is that the answer may be in the gut. And, and you know, I, I would say, who knew?
1: Yes, yeah, so and now now there's more research and more articles finally starting to touch on that topic. Um, but what do you say to those um, that are maybe a little skeptical of a gut-brain connection or, or that simply believe that there is no connection between um, what you eat and, and how it affects your brain?
0: Oh, to, in a nice way, I'd say, you know, get real. Uh, maybe... You know, <laughs> look at the science that's been published at least over the past several decades, uh, we know there's an intimate relationship between the gut and the brain and the brain and the gut, and the gut and every other organ in the body for that matter. Uh, When we understand that the gut bacteria are manufacturing chemicals that have huge importance in terms of the brain's functionality moment to moment, as well as the brain's overall health and risk for disease down the line, There's no mystery about the gut-brain connection. They are physically connected by a very strong nerve pathway called the vagus nerve. And they are chemically related. The brain influences gut activity moment to moment. And similarly, you know, we talk about the so-called neurotransmitters, like the happy chemical, serotonin. That's the reason so many people take uh, antidepressants these days, because it allows them to have more serotonin in their brains. Well, 90% of the serotonin in your body is made in your gut, uh, like many of the B vitamins that are so important for the health of the brain. So there is a very powerful connection. I think perhaps in my business as a neurologist, when we realize two important facts, uh, that diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, MS, autism, depression, are fundamentally inflammatory disorders, and that inflammation is derived from the gut, then it strongly connects the gut to the brain and
1: vice versa. So what would you consider an appropriate or or healthy diet for us to be eating, eliminating the grains and eliminating the sugar? Um, what should we be eating?
0: I think uh, you know it's a question that we can answer in two ways. First, okay. when we look at what current science is telling us, uh, even what the U.S. government is telling us, if you want to use that as, as a reference for diet, which, Generally, I don't, but even the the United States Dietary Advisory Committee earlier this year came out and said, hey, the biggest problem with the American diet is the sugar and carb content, not the fat, not the cholesterol in our foods. You know, years ago, we were told that if we ate an egg because of the cholesterol content, something horrible would happen to us. And turns out, you know, humans, this is the second part of the argument, humans have been eating high-fat, low-carb, high-fiber foods since we've been on this planet. So, again, it's the diet that we've always eaten. It's the diet that caters to our physiology and even to our genetics because our food communicates directly with our DNA, a process called epigenetic modulation. So, again, the diet needs to be exquisitely reduced in sugars and carbs, but welcome to the table good sources of dietary fat, olive oil, coconut oil, nuts and seeds, uh, grass-fed beef, free-range chicken, etc. The main thing is to get rid of the artificial things, the artificial sweeteners, and uh, and get rid of the sugars. But even more importantly, moving forward, uh, and you know, one of the main uh, emphases of Grain um, Brain, but certainly now in Brain Maker, is we've got to nurture the gut bacteria, and that is the, the pivot point here. When we understand that this 100 trillion gut bacteria that live within us outnumbering our body cells by a factor of 10 to 1 that are n- represent 99% of the DNA in our bodies not the not the 23,000 genes we got from mom and dad 99% of the back of the genetic material in your body is bacterial DNA not mom and dad's DNA you begin to understand that we eat for them we call these bacteria commensal organisms co means with mensa means eat They eat what we eat, so we darn well better start feeding them right, and that means giving them what they want to be happy and healthy, and that is certainly not artificial sweeteners. It's not um, sugars. What it is is foods that are rich in what are called prebiotics, and that's a type of fiber that will then go on and nurture the gut bacteria, and these are foods like onions, leeks, garlic, asparagus, dandelion greens, jicama, jerusalem artichoke these foods are getting to be very very popular because people are seeing health benefits from them because they're turning around their gut bacteria they are pushing the reset button if you will
1: okay are there any um that's actually one of the questions that one of our um one of the the moms in our community asked was about prebiotics because i think um Right now, there's a big conversation about probiotics, but what's what's the difference between a probiotic and a prebiotic, um, and why probiotics are they both important? Probiotics are
0: actually the bacteria themselves. Okay. So you're actually eating the bacteria, either in the form of a nutritional supplement from the health food store or uh, in fermented foods. So if you're eating foods that have been fermented, uh, sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, cultured yogurt, et cetera, these are foods that are already teeming with good bacteria. It's why, gosh, they've been part of, of uh, human efforts for well over 7,000 years that we've been fermenting foods. The prebiotic foods are a type of fiber. Now, not all fiber is prebiotic, but it's a type of fiber, meaning it's not digested in the upper intestine, that nurtures the gut bacteria in the in the colon and to be defined as a prebiotic it has to confer some health benefit. So uh, interestingly, I just read a review yesterday about uh, improving blood sugar control in individuals taking prebiotics, uh, prebiotic fiber. So you can eat those foods that I have talked about. You can go to the health food store and buy prebiotic fiber. Uh, one of my favorites is something called acacia gum from the acacia tree. Uh, which health food stores carry uh, anywhere you go. And this is a way of of adding a, a tablespoon of prebiotic fiber to your smoothie or whatever you're eating and really get nurturing your gut bacteria. You know, moving forward, I would love for the listeners of this podcast to think about the following. Yes, we like to look at our food in terms of its macronutrient content, the fat, the carbohydrates, the protein, and the micronutrients as well the vitamins, and the minerals, because we need those things. But in moving forward, I'd like you to think about the fact that each bite of food that you take is nurturing or not your gut bacteria. So when you're eating a diet that's high in sugars, you're faving, favoring an imbalance of the gut bacteria, and that sets the stage for leakiness of the gut and inflammation, and again inflammation is a cardinal feature seen in the autistic spectrum disorder.
1: So is it simply just adding in more foods with the the probiotics and the prebiotics in them or is there um something more that we should be doing? Should we be eating these foods and taking the supplements as well? I
0: I think that, you know, as challenged as we all are uh, in terms of the the damage that has been done to our microbiomes over the years, by taking antibiotics, by drinking chlorinated water, by eating foods with sugar, just basically living in a cosmopolitan environment, a Western culture environment, our microbiomes are in fairly sad shape. The diversity, meaning the the different types of organisms, is a, is a real key to a healthy microbiome. And the country that has the least diversity of organisms in the world is America. So, When we look at the microbiomes of of individuals living in sub-Saharan Africa, for example, there are a vast array of organisms and huge populations of bacteria that we know are healthy. So we all need to be, I believe, really aggressive. Number one, removing those things uh, from our day-to-day life that are threatening the microbiome, making sure our water is not chlorinated, saying no next time you think you want to take an antibiotic because you have a simple sniffle or a cough. Uh, making sure we deliver our babies naturally as opposed to C-section. Many factors, even the medications we take, non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs, acid-blocking drugs, powerfully alter in a bad way our gut bacteria. And you may be a bit surprised that I mentioned being born by C-section. I mean, I want to be real clear with your listeners that C-section births are sometimes absolutely necessary they're a life-saving wonderful procedure but understand that when a baby is born and bypasses mother's birth canal he or she does not get inoculated with the specific bacteria that he or she needs to form the basis of his first microbiome that's when it happens by passing through that birth canal happens in all mammals in birds in reptiles in clams and even in sponges so this is a this is something that's been going on for hundreds of millions of years a transfer of information now when you look at the scientific data and i reviewed this in brainmaker the risk of autism is significantly increased in kids born by c-section as is the risk of of adhd type one or autoimmune diabetes uh, and even becoming obese as an adult all of these things are increased in children who were deprived of their uh, of an appropriate microbial baptism, if you will. In other words, being uh, getting those bacteria, and uh, you know it, it's it's challenging to read this information. One uh, study that appeared in the journal Archives of General Psychiatry dates back to 2004. It's 11 years ago, and it showed a dramatic increased risk of. Uh, autistic spectrum disorder in uh, children born by cesarean section. So uh, this was a risk more than two-fold increase, um, if you, especially if you include both autism and uh, perv- pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified, and Asperger's. I mean, all of these were significantly increased based upon being born by C-section. And again, this is a journal put out by the American Medical Association so, again, I want, you know, mothers to be, to understand that, uh, and mothers who've had their children by C-section, I'm not, this isn't mommy bashing. Right. I'm trying to be constructive here. There is a time and a place for C-section, but let's be clear, one-third of all births in America right now is via C-section. Wow. It's hard for me to, to get my arms around the idea that that is because a third of all births are right, complicated you and share. require it.
1: Right. Wow. That's a, that's a big statistic.
0: Yeah, and again, this is published by the American Medical Association, and this was 11 years ago, June of 2004. Wow.
1: Yikes. So getting back to, to, to probiotics for a second in the gut, um, we have a really good question from Maureen, and Maureen wants to know if there's ever a circumstance where you can have too much good bacteria in your gut from probiotics and prebiotics.
0: Is I think that ever it would an issue be, um it would be hard to imagine I mean anything is possible i I certainly have never seen it, but um you know you have about ten thousand different species of bacteria living in the gut, so you might wonder well then how is how is it that you can go buy a probiotic at the health food store that has five or ten or fifteen different species if you've got ten thousand normally within you? Well, I, I think some of the species that live within us are probably, you know, playing very minimal role in health or disease, so they're minor players in the band. Uh, and the ones that you're typically finding uh, in um, the health food store are, are the ones that have really a lot of science behind them and do some pretty powerful things. Great clinical research behind them. You know, there are various names. I happen to really be fond of a couple of bugs. One of them is called Lactobacillus plantarum. Another is Lactobacillus rhamnosus. These are unique types of bacteria, but they do some really cool things. And so, uh, you know, I, I actually list on drperlmutter.com, my website, drperlmutter.com, a list of my top five uh, probiotic species that I think you should look for. Whatever brand you want to buy, it's great. But these are the ones that are, are seen quite commonly, and they're the ones that are most
1: well-researched. All right. Well, everyone needs to go to drperlmutter.com and check that out. <laughs> uh,
0: we have well, I'll tell from... you what. Uh, we've just yeah. posted an interesting video on, on our website of a child with autism, uh, virtually unable to speak, well, could not interact socially, and this child underwent a procedure called fecal microbial transplant. He basically had his gut bacteria uh, replenished from a, a person, a healthy young A 12-year-old donated, and um, I didn't do the procedure myself, but it was done. And he, within six treatments, began speaking and became socially interactive. I actually got an email from his mother this morning, uh, and he looks fantastic. He's in regular school now. I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that people should do this, uh, or it's a cure for autism, uh, autistic spectrum disorder. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm simply talking about it because it shows the power of the gut bacteria in terms of affecting how the brain works, gets back to my original question to me, the gut-brain connection. So how compelling it is to learn that the University of Arizona has now finished recruiting a large number of children with autism for this exact procedure, fecal microbial transplant. I think we're about to see some incredible uh, results. That, That would be my
1: bad. Yes, and, and and the video is on your website as well right and people can access that the video is visiting. on
0: my website people can just go to drprobo.com and look under brain maker uh, brain maker is the name of the book and there's video there of a one of my patients with multiple sclerosis an autoimmune condition and he underwent fecal microbial transplant in england and regained the ability to walk again wow. i'm not suggesting that that's a cure for ms but uh, there's a, there are published studies from Australia now from a Dr. Barodi in the journal Gastroenterology describing patients who have dramatic improvements when their immune systems are reset by focusing on the gut bacteria. And uh, I'm actually showing that video that is on my website. I'm showing that as part of a public television special that begins in two days.
1: So we have a question from Anna and Anna her her child has a lot of issues with um with his gut and she wants to know which should be addressed first like basically which one um should be of most concern and she wants to know oh, uh, the issues are parasites candida and bad bacteria
0: Well first let me just uh let her know that uh, as any parent of a child with autism will
1: verify
0: uh her complaint is exceedingly common i mean it, it's it's certainly most children on the spectrum that have gastrointestinal issues and points a finger to the gut
1: which why has been so,
0: so Perlmutter, well, why is it well i this think that, such that what a we common issue? is that there is a strong correlation between alteration of the gut bacteria and autism and this alteration of the gut bacteria the pain and the, the abdominal distress and the changes in the bowel movement, the very smelly stools that parents will always complain about, that's been described uh, since uh, even dating back to 2011 in the journal Gastroenterology. Uh, Dr. James Adams uh, wrote a wonderful paper about that, how, number one, how common it is that uh, children on the spectrum have gastrointestinal issues and also how very, very common it is that they have strange arrays of their gut bacteria and uh... what dr Derek mcfabe up in canada has talked about is this overgrowth of of a particular type of bacteria called clostridia that then creates certain chemicals that are specifically damaging to the brain Uh, one of them being something called propionic acid and he has demonstrated by giving propionic acid to laboratory animals that they won't socialize that they'll spin around in circles and so there is a lot of work being done on changing the gut bacteria as a treatment for autism. I, I suspect we're going to see more and more of that happening. All
1: right. We have another question from um, Lourdes, and she says she writes in: My son has been gluten, casein, soy, and nut-free since age. Two, he's been on probiotics and numerous supplements and vitamins since then. He's undergone a few antifungal treatments for yeast and pandas. However, he still shows GI disruptions. His discomfort and behaviors arise when his gut has been compromised, which leaves me feeling extremely helpless. Do you have any advice for what you can treat?
0: Um, I I would indicate that uh, I have not been... um overwhelmingly impressed with the eff- efficacy of uh, antifungal treatments in autistic uh in treating autism um certainly there are plenty of people who are using diflucan using nystatin i just haven't really seen um uh you know a a huge turnaround but i do i am certainly aware that uh that there's a survey by the autism research institute that does indicate that at least parents have noted some improvement using antifungal therapy and um I've not really seen any worsening of symptoms so I I think that the reports from parents are very valuable so just because there is there hasn't been any specific test done that demonstrated in a double blinded way I think the reports from parents are actually very very valuable that said what we're hearing from Lourdes is is actually again very very common and until such time as the gut bacteria have been brought more into alignment, probably there won't be any dramatic improvement in the GI symptoms and even in some of the symptoms of uh, autism. And I believe uh, that she had even mentioned PANDAS, which we often see, not often, but but is seen at times uh, along with uh, issues related to the autistic spectrum. And it brings up a very interesting point that sometimes we see Uh, Children uh, with autism actually have improvement of their symptoms in the short run when they are treated for PANDAS, when they are treated with antibiotics for this pediatric autoimmune uh, neuropsychiatric strep-related issue. So, And it gets back to, again, the gut bacteria, that imbalance of gut bacteria that may actually be improved temporarily. Uh, with antibiotics is something that's been seen. It was well described by Dr. Feinberg, uh, Feingold rather, uh, in his papers. So, um, again, all fingers are pointing to imbalances of gut bacteria and the metabolic issues that those imbalances create and how those chemicals and uh, met- metabolic issues then go on to change brain function. So I think that... Um, and it's really going to offer us up some very, very valuable information moving forward that I think is absolutely going to be helpful.
1: All right. Our next question comes from Andrada. And Andrada writes, my 11-year-old son basically follows a paleo low-carb diet, but he's so thin, I'm worried he's not getting enough carbs. He has low endurance. How do I determine the proper macronutrient proportions for him? Mentally, he seems to function better low-carb. We're also battling dysbiosis and candida as we continue to chelate heavy metals.
0: Well, there's a lot going on uh... in this situation and i would indicate that um... you know some of the other issues that are are being talked about here may also impair metabolism uh... including uh... chelation so chelation uh, i'm not sure what her chelating agent is uh... whether it's dmps or edta whether that's uh... you know i would suspect that may actually be intravenous and there are some significant issues in terms of minerals that can happen that are very negative towards health and can and can compromise health and metabolism that happen when chelation is done. So, uh I would caution her. I would also indicate that uh you know there's a lot of different uh cooks in the kitchen here, a lot of things being done. Um a, a lot of times um people think their children are too thin and in actuality, kids have, you know, throughout history have been pretty bony and pretty thin, but the the lack of endurance part of that story I think is, you know, certainly worthy of good investigation. If there is clearly evidence of candida, one of the most common issues we see in candida is thyroid, uh, hypothyroidism or problems with thyroid function. So I am not her doctor, of course, but uh, I'm just bringing these things up kind of in a general way that if there is clear-cut evidence of candida overgrowth, my practice is always to look at thyroid function Either, uh, and uh, not just blood work, but also measuring what's called the basal body temperature. So you know, people with a low basal body temperature oftentimes can benefit from a little tweak of their thyroid. Now, with respect to how much uh, carbs he should be eating, again, um, generally, if in fact there is proven candida overgrowth, you're going to want to keep the carbs low, but don't scrimp on the prebiotic fiber, which does contain carbohydrate. That prebiotic fiber is actually counted in as a carbohydrate, even though it's not simple sugar. But you need lots of that form of carbohydrate to nurture the gut bacteria. And this is not the type of carb that's going to cause insulin spikes and then blood sugar to crash and lead to fatigue.
1: All right, Andrada, hopefully you know. Hopefully, you found some benefit in that. Um, and Dr. Perlmutter, thank you so much for taking your time out today to to chat autism with us and answer some of the questions from our community. Um, I think we covered a lot of really good points.
0: Well, I thank you for having me. Thanks again.
1: Yes, and if anyone has any more questions for Dr. Perlmutter, you can always reach him on Twitter. You can tweet him at David Perlmutter or check out drperlmutter.com. That's drperlmutter.com com. You can read some of his blog articles, order his books, and find out where he'll be next. Thank you so much, Dr. Perlmutter.
0: Thank you. Have a great day.
1: You too. And if you like audiobooks and would like to listen to Grain Brain or Brain Maker, you can go to audibletrial.com slash generationrescue. Sign up and get a free audiobook download. That's audibletrial.com slash generationrescue, and you can download Grain Brain or Brain Maker (laughs) completely free. Thank you guys for listening. We will chat autism again next month. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at GenRescue, facebook.com slash generationrescue, and sign up for our newsletter at generationrescue.org.